Well, good morning. Shall we take our Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 7? Now, while you're turning there, let me tell you a little story. There was a museum that had some priceless furniture and some priceless art. Now, if you've got some priceless furniture, do you want people touching them? No. So they had a sign up there, do not touch. You know what people did? They touched. And they touched. They couldn't figure out how are we going to stop these people touching. And then a worker came up with a wonderful, fantastic idea. The signs were changed and said this caution, wash hands after touching. <laughs> Problem solved. Now, with that thought in mind, we're talking, believe it or not, today about washing hands. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we rejoice we can come to you and we thank you as we look into the word of God. We see that which challenges us and encourages us to be real and honest with you and not just put on a show. Guide us and guide our thoughts. We pray for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as I think about this incident, what is the situation that's taking place? Look with me at chapter 7, verse 1 and 2, and then verse 5. Then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say with unwashed hands, they found fault. Now verse 5. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? Now today, most people, before we eat, what do we do? We wash your hands, right? Why? To be germs. Is that what... Here they are, these scribes and the Pharisees, they come from Jerusalem. They're the real top leaders in the religious world. And they're watching, looking over their glasses, if they have them, and they notice something. They haven't washed their hands. And they're eating. And they get upset. What's the big deal about eating with hands not washed? Why are they so upset? Why are they finding fault? And uh, then there's something here at this point. Mark does something very interesting. Did you notice I skipped verses 3 and 4? Because verses 3 and 4 is Mark stops the story, and he explains a custom. You know, I learned something. When our family went from Africa to America, you know what? The Africans have different customs. Then I came to Australia. Guess what? Australia is not America. What is Mark doing here? Mark stops, and he explains a Jewish custom. Why would he take time to explain a Jewish custom? Now, if you're going to had never been to America, 
and you came across a custom that you didn't understand, which had to be explained to me over here too, he's doing it because what? The people who originally got the book weren't Jewish. They didn't know about Jewish customs. So he's taking time to explain the Jewish custom. What is it? Well, let's read it. Verse 4 and 5. And when they come from the... uh, See, verse 3. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands, oft eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And many other things there be which they have received to hold as the washing of cups and pots, raising vessels and of tables. Let me put it in our culture, shall we? Now, we wash hands, right? So he explains to the people, listen, with the Jewish people, they always wash their hands before they eat. It's very important to them. And not only that, when they go to the store, you know what they do? When they come back from the store, they take a, take a bath. Is that what you do when you go to the store? That's what they did. And something else. Uh, do you wash your pots and pans and clean the table and the chairs? You know what they did? Before you used them, they washed the pots and pans. Before you sat down, they cleaned the chair and things like that. Why did they go through all this trouble? I mean, it's a lot of washing things. Why was this custom? What were the Jews thinking of? Well, I get a clue. I have a book which gives some prayers of Orthodox Jews. It's from 1920, but it would be the same. And a similar sort of prayer has been, or words have been found since the second century. So this is very likely what the Pharisees and scribes did. Before they washed their hands, they, uh, this is what an Orthodox Jew will say. I'll give it in English. Blessed art thou, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us by thy commandments and has given us command concerning the washing of the hands. Has God given command that we've got to wash hands? No. Where did this come from? We're told in Mark, the tradition of the elders. This was a tradition the leader said, you need to do. But we say, well, why? Why is it so important? Well, the short answer is this. You heard the expression, every man's home is his castle. They said, every man's home is his temple. Now, they would think of this. Uh, Look with me at Exodus chapter 30. Look at verse 17 and following. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Thou shalt also make a laver of brass, and his foot also of brass, to wash withal. And thou shalt put it 
between the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, and thou shalt put water therein. For Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet thereat. When they go into the tabernacle of the congregation, they shall wash with water, that they die not. Or when they come near to the altar to minister, to burnt offering made by fire unto the Lord. So what did the priests have to do before they went into the tabernacle? To wash. And you go through Leviticus. There was washing for all sorts of things. Somebody had leprosy and got over any kind of a skin disease. They would then have to take a bath. And you can go on thing after thing. If there was uh, somebody had to bury somebody, they would be unclean until even, and then they had to take a bath. And you can go on and on. So they thought, hmm, when you come into God's presence to be clean, you've got to what? Wash your hands. And then there's a verse in Leviticus 20, verse 26, says, and ye shall be holy unto me, for I, the Lord, am holy. So they thought, hmm, we want to come to God and we want to be pure. We want to be clean. So they took that principle from the tabernacle and they brought it into the home. So they were washing and washing and washing. So washing their hands was not to be getting rid of the germs. It was to be clean before God. That's what they meant by defile. They said, if you ate without going through the proper ceremony, you were ceremonially unclean before God. That's a no-no. You can't serve God. You can't be dedicated to God. So they said to the Lord, you're a teacher, and you're letting the disciples eat without going through the proper ceremony to be clean before God, before they eat, because they're eating food, and it might be ceremonial unclean. They've got to get clean because if they do that, that's going to make them unclean before God. Now, what's the Lord going to do? What is the Lord going to say in the light of this? Because when you look at it on the surface, it sounds like they really are dedicated to God, doesn't it? Sounds like they really want to put God first. That's how it looks. Well, Let's look what the Lord says. Uh, verses 6 to 8. We'll go down to verse 16 for this segment. We'll just take verses 6 to 8. And he answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah, that's Isaiah, prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things ye do. What's the Lord saying here? He quotes from Isaiah. Isaiah 29, 13 to be specific. And he says, you look good. You sound good. You look religious. Your words sound religious. 
They sound like you're putting God first in everything. But it's a fake. Because you take the commandments of men and annul the word of God. Now that's a real charge because they want to be pure before God. And he's come blunt. He says bluntly, he says, you're disobeying God's word by your commandments. Because they're not happy with that about this time. Matthew tells us after this is discussed that they were very upset. They were offended. So their anger is at their beginning says, we don't agree with you. We want to serve God. We want to be pure with God. So they said, well, let me illustrate. I was thinking of this. In computer terms, we have the term WYSIWYG. What you see is what you get. They were whizzing wig. What you see is not what you get. And the Lord says, let me explain how you do this. Look at verse 9 to 13. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother. And whoso curseth father or mother... Let him die the death. But ye say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, it is korban, that is to say, a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition which ye have delivered, and many such like things do ye. Now, what's the Lord doing here? He says, let me illustrate how you're doing this. You look good. You sound religious. But you're taking men's commandments, not God's commandments, so you don't have to obey God's commandments. And everybody thinks, boy, he's so spiritual. He's so godly. He says, uh, now, you know the law, and he quotes from several places uh, in the law. You're supposed to honor your parents, right? And he said, and in the law, if they don't, they face the death penalty. This is something very serious. They wouldn't deny that. And if you ask them, do you honor mom and dad? Says, oh, yeah, we do. He says, no, you don't. Here's what they did. <clears throat> they had their money. And they pronounced over it, korban. Now, is that an English word? It wasn't a Greek word either. Mark explained it as a gift. A gift for what? Well, actually, it's a Hebrew word that refers to anything that was dedicated to God. Specifically, certain sacrifices. They took that and applied it to everything. So they said, okay, this money is Korban. It's dedicated to God. Yeah, but you still have it. Yeah, we do. But at some future date, we're going to give it to God. In the meantime, I get to use it. But I've made a vow. And mom and dad, I've made a promise it belongs to God, so I can't give you any. Because it's all to God. Now, does that sound good? It sounds religious. It sounds like they're putting God first. But in reality, what are they doing? Inside, they're saying, I don't want to share anything. They were greedy. They were selfish. 
even when their own parents had a need. And they could help. That's the illustration the Lord gives. He says, on the surface, you look good. On the words that you say, they sound religious. You're going through the ceremonies. But inside, it's something totally different. You are taking your tradition and saying, I'm going to do this so I don't have to obey the Bible, the Word of God. He says, that's what you're doing. Then the verse uh, 14 to 16. Then the Lord turns from them to the crowd, to the people. And when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are the things. Those are they that defile the man. If a man have ears to hear, let him hear. It's very simple what the Lord said. What did he say? What goes in doesn't defile, but what comes out does. Right? Okay, and the Lord, the disciples, did they get it? No, they didn't. They're sitting there scratching. Okay. You're talking about washed hands. You've told the Pharisees and the scribes that they're fakes. They look good, they sound good, but they're using the tradition of men, the tradition of to disobey God's word. And then you say, what goes in? No, it's what comes out that defiles the man. They don't quite put it together. So, look at verse 17. When he was entered into the house for the people, from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. He said, we don't get it. My words. And he saith saith unto them, Have ye, are ye so without understanding also? Do ye not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into a man, it cannot defile him? Because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, and goeth out into the draft, purging all meats. And he said, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. So the Lord makes a big difference between heart and belly. Right? Now when I speak of heart, what's the first thought that comes to your mind? You know, this, right? But in English we have the expression, he spoke heart to heart. What's that? From the mind to the mind, right? Or see another one. Learn this, a teacher might say, learn this by heart. What do we mean? Memorize it, right? Or uh, to give one's heart to somebody. Or see, here's another one. One's heart is in the right place. Heart in the Bible, for example, in Proverbs 23, 7, it says, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. 
And interesting, Genesis 6.5, the Lord looked across the pre-flood world and he saw the wickedness of men, that it was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. So when the Lord speaks about the heart, what is he speaking about? This thing, mind, how we think, the inner man. So the Lord said, okay, how a man thinks is different than what a man eats. And then he gets very graphic. He says, when you eat something, where does it go? I was half thinking of eating something in front of you, but I'm not going to do it. It goes where? Down here. Then what does my belly do with it? It does what a belly does, which is what the Lord says. It doesn't affect the mind. Now, that's the normal food. Yeah, I, I know. He says, that isn't going to make you unclean because that doesn't affect the mind. But I'll tell you something. What does make a man unclean before God is what's in the mind. He says, let me illustrate. And he lists 13 different things. Evil thoughts. That's the motive, the doubts, the argumentative doubts and things like that that people have. Where does that begin from? The stomach? The belly? Well, it begins from here, doesn't it? Adulteries, fornications, that's immorality. Where does that begin? The mind. What about murders? It begins with hatred. Thefts. Was, where does that begin? You may say, well, somebody's hungry. They, they stole to eat. But it still began where? In the mind. Covetousness, that's greed. Wickedness, deceit. Lasciviousness. Do you know what that word means? It means living without any moral restraint. Immorality. An evil eye. Now what's an evil eye? You've heard green with envy? It means envy, it means greed. Blasphemy, pride, foolishness. Foolishness is where... Somebody can understand, they have the ability to understand, but they refuse to understand. It's not that they don't know, it's they refuse to know. They say, I don't want to know about it. It's a deliberate ignorance. The Lord said, where do all these things come from? It's not the belly. It comes from the mind. And it says, these are the things that will make you unclean before God. These are the things that will defile you before God and make you stand as a sinner under judgment and condemned before God. Not eating with washed hands or unwashed hands. So, should we wash our hands before we eat? Yeah, but it's not a religious thing. It's a hygienic thing. But it's not something religious. Should we wash our dishes? Yeah, but it's not a religious thing. You get the point? They made it a religious ceremony. And their words, when you looked at it, looked like they were religious. They looked real. But it was all hypocrisy. 
Many people were fooled. But the Lord says, no, on the inside, there's greed. There's covetousness. And he gave the illustration how they treated mom and dad. And as I think about this, what makes me unclean before God? You know, we read in 1 John, verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 9 says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. What does that say? If we say before God, I'm not a sinner, I'm okay, I haven't done anything wrong, we're saying, God, you're a liar. Because God says what? We are sinners. Because then we're faced with the fact, what can we do to be cleansed of our sin? Because to be under, to be in sin, is to be under God's judgment and condemnation. What's 1 John 1 9? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I know that's focused primarily to Christians, but the principle goes to the unsaved as well. We, before God, can look religious, we can sound religious, but it can all be a fake. You know, and those people know, I've read stories about that, where there's hypocrisy and fake. They may look and sound religious, but they aren't. I trust nobody here is like that, or anybody listening to this recording. Because the Pharisees look and sound religious, but it was all just a surface thing. On the inside was sin which they had never dealt with. If we're going to be right with God, we have to deal with our sin in the blood of Christ. That's how he cleanses us, as we had in the Lord's table. And there's just some other thoughts. Another thought. You know, we can get so wrapped up in ceremony, getting ready for church, coming to church, that we forget the true meaning of the ceremony. Like the Lord's table and so forth. Let's not get so wrapped up in the externals we forget the internal. Let's be clean with God. Now, the ceremonies are important. I'm not denying that. But we do it, why? Because the inside is clean from the inside out. And only in Christ can we have cleansing. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you we didn't come to you. Thank you for your love, for your grace. And guide us. As we come before you, Lord, we have to say, confess our sins, that we are sinners. We ask you to forgive us. And Lord, we want to forgive those that we have sinned, that have sinned against us, as you forgave us. May we be a loving, forgiving people, because we have been cleansed by you. Speak to, your, to the hearts of those here. And if anybody does not know you, Lord, Convict them of their sin. May they get right with you in Jesus' name. Amen.